We have lawyers for all of this stuff. That would really, as a little marketplace seller, that would really stink. Um, to your question, Amazon's not really the um, marketplace competitor that we've ever cared about because they don't do what we do. Et- Smart e-commerce operators know that net profit is the lifeblood of a business, but at a small and profitable business than a large one which earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook by Jason Miles gives you 17 specific proven profit-taking actions. For a limited time, we are sharing this valuable resource with our listeners completely free. Download your 60-page workbook and start making your business more profitable today. Just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That's theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the e-commerce leader. I'm Michael Vesey and my co-host Jason Miles and I will shortly be discussing Amazon versus the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, who has accused Amazon of all kinds of monopoly practices. The questions are really what is going on and what might the implications be particularly for e-commerce operators rather than the wider economy as a whole? How that might that affect us? What are the sort of factors at play? This isn't going to be one of those tactical quick win type episodes, but I do think that every so often you need to get your head above the parapets and uh, be aware of what might be coming down the pike. So that's one of those episodes and hope you find it interesting as well. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective that the this FTC interaction is, is in essence, big part of it is focused on helping small businesses versus large businesses. And you're right, that certainly seems different than helping consumers or, or you know, making sure consumers aren't harmed. I think it, the part of the rub here is just that all of us as, as e-commerce operators, when we get into the business, have to decide who we're going to partner with. And, and some of us are only oriented to like learning to sell on Amazon is the only thing we heard of. I, that wasn't my experience. My experience was I learned to sell on eBay originally. And so Amazon was always sort of a foreign object to us. But I think it's really interesting to think through for all of us, who are we partnering with? We have to partner with a core set of providers to do e-commerce online. Obviously, in the olden days, I used WordPress and hated it. I mean, with a passion. They were like, the it was like the worst set of tools ever. Shopify came along and made magic happen for us. And Shopify has yeah. been a wonderful resource to, to partner with to sell online. The Amazon sellers are in the same exact situation. And mm. they know that. They know that there's a whole set of benefits and a whole set of risks. Mm. And, and if they're naive to that, they learn it pretty quick. As soon as they get into a forum or go to a conference or start talking to other sellers, everybody who operates in that system becomes aware of the, the risks. And I think that's just, it's part of being a wise business owner is to say, what is the risk reward calculus? Where can I find advantage and where am I putting myself in jeopardy? And we all have to navigate through that. Even if it's known that Amazon does do the third-party data review and then start selling things for in first party, even if that's part of the game, th- that's just a risk-reward equation that you're working on if you sell in that mic- marketplace. I mean, it, 
it's not even necessarily a, you know, it's like, that's not even a reason to not sell there necessarily. It's a, it's a risk that you're running. And, and I think that's, the government can't, the government can't like protect you from risk reward analysis for small business owners. There are other options besides Amazon for selling online. And so I, I just, you know, to me, part of this comes down to, I, I'm not sure I see the, the wisdom in a lot of the, <laughs> the, the case, the FTC case, if I'm being honest. I do think sure. there, I do think there are other better things to pick on. And, but, but I think the free, like the, the marketplace of free competition is the best way to get at better solutions. So. Yeah, I'm not necessarily here to, to defend the FTC or to criticize it really. I mean, I think it's a reality, it's a sort of second or third order reality, which will have a big yeah. impact though. I think it, to your point that you made earlier, um, it may be that a bunch of regulation gets introduced that actually doesn't benefit anyone except for Amazon or some other party that we had not yeah. even heard of. It suddenly springs up such as other other things came into existence. Google probably wouldn't have existed. Microsoft hadn't been broken up and so forth. Now, has that benefited everyone? Not necessarily. So there are complicated things. I, I would say this, though. If the FTC is serious about this and gets some kind of action taken on, it's worth knowing where they're going because it probably will change Amazon's response, even if they don't lose the, the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So the two things that are relevant to this, Amazon's being accused of maintaining a monopoly through exclusionary anti-discounting conduct that stifles price competition now. There are many mechanisms on Amazon which I would say drive price lower, as we all know, as their body sellers or anybody who ventures onto Amazon. That said, though, if you try and sell cheaper on your Shopify product site or anywhere else online that you have your products at a lower price than on Amazon, you'll find that they tend to remove the buy box or, or suppress your um, visibility in the search results. Now, if somebody gets involved and tells Amazon not to do that, that doesn't necessarily mean that consumers get lower prices, but I think it does actually mean that it does change the game for the sellers. If you have a Shopify site and an Amazon site, for example, so I think so it's important is that to see. The, that's the core I mean, issue is that issue of price parity across marketplaces. Uh, that's one of the sellers. things I think that they're talking about anti-discounting mm -hmm. conduct. I think they, that's one the, of the only thing that makes sense in my mind is because they don't have any other, they want yeah. you to discount as much as you can on their platform. They, do, they don't want you but to they want discount, discount on, on pets.com yeah. and yes, as compared to your pricing on Amazon. Sure. So is I mean, that anti-discounting pressure? I, I well, don't know. I, I, that's something, I'm happy to leave the lawyers to decide that, but what I'm interested in as a, as a seller uh, in the e-commerce operator is this, that if the FTC gets gets the judge to agree or the jury or who, however yeah. it works, I'm not familiar with the ins and outs of the details of it, that it is anti-competitive, whether or not it is, is a different question. And they stop Amazon from removing the buy box from you or suppressing your listing if you sell cheaper somewhere other than Amazon. So, sorry, but, but to be technical about it, it's not yes. anti-discounting. It's anti-differentiated uh, pricing. You can have yes, as big a discount as you want. They just want you to be consistent from pets.com, walmart.com, amazon.com so yes. that there isn't so that there isn't exposure on, on market share on their side. So you can go as low as you want. True. Sell your things for 10 cents. They don't care. They just don't want you to sell Amazon. it for 10 cents on pets.com and sell it for $15 yeah. on Amazon. So that yes. makes, I mean, I get, that's not, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's come. It's not really <laughs> anti-discounting and it's not really hurting the third party sellers. It's requiring third party sellers to be consistent 
Now, what I did mm-hmm. see happen with a client of ours, this might be an interesting story, is I won't say the brand or the details, but they were, they were selling on several marketplaces. One of the marketplaces would, without the third-party seller's consent, put the items on sale. Because they had, I guess, that in their TOS that they could do, like, they could run sales across their system. So they would lower the price on the this third-party seller's product. And that would flag Amazon. And Amazon would get in its loop of the feed, negative feedback and consequence. And then, but, and so the, this third party seller would go back to the, the, uh, the originating marketplace that caused the problem and say, stop that. You're getting me in trouble with Amazon. And they wouldn't stop it. And so then she had to basically withdraw from that marketplace. It was a really interesting story. Now I could see how if you're governing all marketplaces, you would say that that's quite a squabble between those two marketplaces. I mean, the one is obviously trying to make, sales occur and, and win share of a wallet on the in, in the online selling space for its product by doing discounting and, and beat it and beat Amazon. Yeah, that that's that's a pretty obscure use case, but is that the place for the government to be involved? I mean ultimately what happened was that person did stop selling on mm-hmm. that rival marketplace and stuck with Amazon. So is there is there a lawsuit in the makings there maybe I it is an interesting situation isn't it Well yeah. I think the lawsuit is being made and it's being delivered now the the question of whether it should happen or not is a political question and look I'm not even American so I have no say in a democracy in in what happens in American politics or or law what I think is relevant though is somebody who does sell in America and, and has done and advises people who who do so is the implications for us guys. So it is the job of a regulator possibly to consider other marketplaces other than Amazon and have what percentage of e-commerce market they have. As a person who uses marketplaces rather than runs them, of course, you run a marketplace yourselves at, at Pixie Fair, of course, yeah. but that's a somewhat different yeah. question. So I, again, I think that the consumers, the e-commerce operators and marketplace owners and operators are three yeah. very different sets of people who are affected in three very different sets of ways. And I think the my gut instinct overall is that Amazon treats the consumers like they're absolute gods and generally has delivered lower prices, faster delivery, and greater selection to consumers. Mm-hmm. And to attack that is going to be a bit of a hard sell to the general public, me included. I do think that well, they have you treated can... third-party sellers really badly, even though they have a lot of other options. They don't have many other options. And I don't feel too sorry for the other marketplaces, but there's a fair point that maybe you need some competition. So that's more abstract angle, isn't it? So I think that the, the effects on these different part, different constituencies, if you will, are really, really different. Yeah, yeah. You feel as a, as a marketplace owner yourself, for example, on th- at Pixie Fair, do you feel that Amazon or anyone else is competing with you in an unfair way or, or is that not relevant to your lives? It is relevant to us. And yeah, actually, as it happens, this it, it, in its top of mind, a lot of this first-party, third-party seller dynamic, we navigate and manage on Pixie Fair. We're like incredibly tiny, obviously, compared to the large e-commerce marketplaces that people would know of. But in our case, we've done over 5 million transactions. We represent about 125 um, brands in totality. I think 19 of those are, or 17 of those are ours now because we've been buying brands basically as people wanted to retire or stop working or just wanted to be done, we would basically buy their catalogs. And so 
this is relevant, I would say that if the FTC makes a huge set of rules around marketplaces that damages me to have to kind of comply with, and Amazon's happily like, that's fine, we have lawyers for all of this stuff. That would really, as a little marketplace seller, that would really stink. Um, to your question, Amazon's not really the um, marketplace competitor that we've ever cared about because they don't do what we do. Etsy is the marketplace that does what we do, and it is our most relevant competitor. And so do they do anything that's unfair? Well, their core offer for digital goods basically is that they don't take hardly any margin out of the sale except for transaction fees. Now, depending on how you sell and you do the math, I think that's about 17% of the total sale that comes out. We have a royalty payment structure in Pixie Fair, and so ours is different than that, more like a book publishing kind of arrangement. So, but Etsy, is they, have they done anything wrong? No, they're just huge. They just have the economies of scale and they, they can run seller fees at a super low transaction cost and make it up in volume. But I would say this, they operate a completely open marketplace where, for example, and I apologize, this is in the little nitpicky details of a small niche, but I'll just, I think it'll make sense to everybody. You can publish anything you want on Etsy as a digital uh, good, it's like a sewing document instruction. On Pixie Fair, we have a whole set of guidelines and standards. And one of the guidelines is it has to be creative, original work. In other words, you can't just copy somebody's idea and publish it. And that is a huge point of tension. And it is a very hard hurdle that we manage with a whole committee of people who look like a publishing committee that look at everything we put on our site. Etsy has no such requirement. So it's it's a different system. We see the merit in our system and we see that our system honors original creative works. But does that matter to our third-party sellers? <laughs> like some, some want to just publish what they want to publish. Sometimes it feels good to them and sometimes it feels bad to them. And so it is a very different system that we're running. But, but yeah, I, I have skin in the game on this whole issue for sure. I mean, I think what's interesting as well is, is not so much to worry about whether the FTC should or shouldn't do it. That's a question for you to vote with your politicians or bug your congressman or woman about, I suppose, if you're in America and I'm not. So I, I don't have that sort of active view of the politics. But what's very interesting to me is uh, there are other marketplaces where one can sell digital or physical goods. And some of them are not the obvious competitors like Etsy, eBay, but Facebook Marketplace and TikTok is becoming a, a place that's really growing in that place. And it would be quite interesting if the FTC not hobbles exactly in the mm -hmm. full sense, but reigns in Amazon or makes it harder for Amazon to operate in its current way, whether that will make space for Facebook marketplace, TikTok e-commerce or something else to, to blow yeah. up, yeah. whether that's going to be good or bad for third party sellers. I mean, I, I don't work for Facebook or Amazon or TikTok, so I don't really care whether they get the share or not. But what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that would change the, la change the landscape in a positive way for sellers? Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. 
For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. I do think that there are more and more e-commerce selling options available for people. Obviously, there's a huge rise of the apps, especially in the fashion space and reselling clothing and handbags and all that kind of thing. There's tons of opportunities there. I was very interested when Facebook Marketplace started to emerge and become more used. I got to be honest, I look at Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and offer up every day, every maybe maybe five times a week, each of them, because I'm always just interested to see what's on those marketplaces. Now, that's very, very different e-commerce than what Amazon offers. I mean, it's just, it's just a whole different category. It's more like local commerce enabled by tech. But I, I am very interested in those. And to the extent that Facebook, for example, could it enhance and improve and continue to expand the marketplace experience and really put tools and sophistication around that, that certainly could be a, a viable place to sell. And it already is for many people, depending on your niche that you operate in. But most of the time, those are equivalents to sort of garage sale one-time sellers. That's where to get rid of your used car or your patio furniture you want to get rid of. It's more like local Craigslist equivalents. That's very interesting. So in in other words, there are very different approaches to e-commerce anyway. So locality matters. And I guess also the social media aspects that we we talked a while ago about sort of social selling on Amazon and everyone using TikTok like videos to sell. And, And then it's gone quite quiet on that front, whereas people are using TikTok videos to drive sales to Amazon. And I wonder mm-hmm. if a certain percentage of those will stay on TikTok. But as you say, somebody told me the other day that, well, yeah, somebody told me the other day that TikTok's publishing its own new sales system channel where you have your own shop yeah. and, yeah, and it, it'll basically disintermediate more that whole process. Yeah. So I, that's interesting. So I don't think TikTok's going to stop leaning in to that whole issue of influencers who can move product and making tools and resources available to them to make that more integrated on their side and less dependent mm-hmm. on sort of maybe the the resources and tools of the Amazon experience. I think that's very interesting. So it's certainly a competitive space uh, in that regard with all of these players. Facebook was is no slouch uh, in that regard either yeah. in terms of marketplace. So it'll be interesting to see how they all ricochet off each other and find new ways for uh, people to sell products. Yeah, it will be interesting to me if, if Amazon gets somewhat hobbled or tied up in legislation uh, or even just in the, in the lawsuits, whether <clears throat> that ends up giving a, a bit more space in the e-commerce market as a whole to someone like TikTok. And as you said, that disintermediation, there's always a, that economic, the basic economics 101, more free market economics, if you like, that says if you can disintermediate, I take the middleman out, you yeah. uh, can pass on the profits or you make more profit as a company, or you you lower the price for the consumers. And so there is a, an economic mm-hmm. logic anyway. So if that gets accelerated by a bit of legal hobbling of Amazon that doesn't apply to TikTok, that could mm-hmm. all go that way. Of course, TikTok is owned by Dance, which is a, US, a, a Chinese company. So it could be that TikTok just goes away, but I'll just flag that up again. I mean, China and the US are on a bit of a collision course. And that was really quite a real possibility, it seems, a couple of years ago. And then nobody's talking about it now which is interesting to me. Yeah, so, the other, there's always interesting legal threats, the other, aren't there? Yeah, the other vector of interest for sellers online right now is how YouTube could be expanded to actually have more integrated 
uh, selling options. And so we do some of that with with our our products, Pixie Fair, and uh, on the YouTube channel. I think so. There's there's angles there where there's there's really interesting elements where if you have selling occur as close to the audience aggregation as possible, that's sort of the gist in the marketplace right now. And that's why TikTok and YouTube and Facebook all have that opportunity to to lean into the transactional side of things because they have audience aggregation. And and that is an existential threat to the Amazons or the Ebays. I'm like if if you're a third party seller and you're and you have a huge audience on YouTube and you could do the whole thing through YouTube tools, why wouldn't you? I mean it's like like there, nobody's beholden to anybody's like system or tools. Like if you can get it done in a different and better way, why why wouldn't you? And so I do think this interesting future ahead for all, all of it. I think the winners in all of this in a way are the third party sellers, the the e-commerce operators, and that shouldn't be lost in the mix here. We're not the victims. We as third party sellers, we're being offered an ever increasing bounty of free or cheap tools that enable us to put our stuff out into the world and make sales. And so I don't see I don't see us as victims. I see us as a winners of a huge investment into the systems and tools that make e-commerce happen. And that's exciting. It, to me, that's that's the fun part of the future is all the opportunity spaces that are opening up. American optimism right there, buddy. I was just about to say this is a, a proper cap on a, <laughs> an American legal story with some American entrepreneurial optimism. So I don't want to mess with the spirit of that. I, I like that thought. And I think you're right. I mean, just a final sort of, I suppose, more of a British sober reflection on that. I, I think if you've wedded yourself to any system and the system changes in a way that doesn't favor you, then obviously you feel bad about it. And I guess the answer is to, as you said, if you're going to get married, to look carefully, you know, choosing the devil you dance with, but then also dance with more than one devil. They're all devils in their way. Google can give you the panda slap or whatever it is next. YouTube shuts accounts down every five seconds, as Facebook does as well. It seems particularly advertising ones. And Amazon can either charge you through the nose for your advertising or suspend your account. That's actually less common, I think, than a Facebook suspension. So they all have their problems. But as you say, also, there's also tons of opportunity. And I suppose that you just have to make sure you've got more than one iron in the fire, to coin a phrase. Good thoughts. All right, buddy. Well, wonderful conversation. We should probably wrap it up there. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, we would love to have you leave your highest and best review wherever you're listening. And Michael, how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to go deeper and talk to you about their specific business situation? So you can get an audit on your Amazon account. I can't tell you what the FTC is going to do, but I can look at your Amazon account in the current sort of climate and rules, <laughs> which is over at www.myamazonaudit.com. Nice. And as always for things related to my coaching and consulting work and our done for you services, omnirocket.com is the place to go. So thanks, everybody, for listening today. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. 
The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, product, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening.